The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. the show. My name is Edwin Herman and this is episode 61 of the Boys of Tech for Monday 12 April 2010. As usual my co-host joins me over Skype. Welcome along Brett King. Howdy. Brett you've got something bubbling up on your desk you were telling me earlier. Yeah a long forgotten drink. Have you you fixed all that because? Yes I have. Oh great we don't want any of that fizzing coming through the mic. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we've got a guest this week, and he certainly made his mark in his field. He co-founded the Sydney chapter of Mobile Monday, which, if I understand correctly, is a mobile industry networking group. He's also developed Australia's first 3G developer partner program and Australia's first 3G mobile real estate application called Lock3, which has received a number of awards, from what I can tell. And also, back when everyone used Netscape and Internet Explorer 4 was just the alternative choice for people wanting to be a little different, he launched the Australian Channel Partner Program for IE4. Shane Williamson from across the ditch in Sydney, welcome along. Hello. Hello, everybody, and everyone in New Zealand. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you on the show. And in fact, Indeed. to that list, we can probably add the, the guest with the longest introduction on the Boys of Tech so far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, well, it's great to have an award, I guess. So uh, thank you. And look, if I got any of that wrong, you'll have to update your profile on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's one. It's a wonder is what you can do with online technology these days. You can make up anything, can't you? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you're telling the story. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I could add all the other stuff about you know how I uh, changed the revolution in Sri Lanka back in '86, uh, but we won't go into those details. <laughs> I could believe it. <laughs> all right. So, look, I want to kick off with uh, your story. It kind of makes sense at the moment. The story's kind of been doing. Uh, working its way around the wires. It's the incident where Microsoft apparently completely deleted your entire blog, six years worth of stuff. Yeah, I, I've, um, I, I think lost is the better term because it's, uh, it's, they, can't, they can't locate it. I've gone through about six different types of um, uh, support people and they all respond with the same stupid comment, which is it's not in the system, so it didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, Look, I mean, look, there's a lot of people who have made comments uh, on some of the um, posts, especially some of the press that's come out saying, you know, why were you so stupid to uh, host your uh, blog on a site like Windows Live, which yeah, is a free I, I saw site. some comments like that, actually. So yeah. what, what do you and, say to that? Well, I mean, I say to that, well, for six years, it's been very stable. It's never gone down. Uh, I've had no issues with it. And other than you don't get the sort of full functionality you would if you if you did your blog and yourself hosted it with something like WordPress. Uh, it's it's actually been a very good site. And you know when when I first started out blogging, I wanted to try and experiment, and I actually started on Windows Live. And it's just so happened that I've just kept on it because it's just been up to date, fairly good platform. So for that, you know, they have been fairly good for those six years where it has been up and running. So do you think it's conceivable that maybe in those six years they have been glitches, but they've been fixed in time? So you would you may not have noticed. Is that uh, is that possible? I think that's I think that's definitely uh, right. I think that there probably has been issues, and they have been able to fix them very quickly and efficiently, and haven't haven't come across anything. But even so, it seems a bit crazy, you know. You, that we've lost your blog six years worth, and oh, we can't even get it back. I mean, what? <laughs> that's crazy. And the the fact that this is actually making its way around the around the news sites, you'd kind of think that they'd if it's simply a case of oh, we can't be bothered going to the backups because it's too much work and it's only a safeguard for for ourselves for Microsoft and not for the customers Uh, maybe this would be a good chance to actually maybe change their view on that because this story is obviously out there ZDNet picked up on it and seen it I mean those those are big sites that's that's right. It's um and again, how did they pick up on it? They picked on it because of um obviously I lost my blog. I couldn't blog about it. That was that was <laughs> as soon as you've lost your blog, you've lost your digital persona. I I, yeah. I was unable to complain about this in a digital way. So Twitter became my voice. I, I I quickly jumped on Twitter, started to let all the people who were following me know what was going on, and uh, the press found out about it through Twitter. 
So uh, once again, showing you the power power of the medium. And to me, that's what blogging's been about for me all the way through that I've had the blog. It's been a great way to sort of put out onto the internet, this is what is good or this is what is bad, and people can find it through search engines. So mm. it's very it's very powerful that way. I understand your blog was fairly well read too, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to um, wax lyrical about it, but yeah, I mean, it was it was an industry blog. I'd set it up about um, uh, mobile and and specifically around convergence with mobile, which are some of the trends that are happening about how we're seeing mobile change and and adapt. So yeah, it's 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 been something that I've been very passionate about. So uh, you know, I, I haven't been blogging every single day, but it's been something that uh, you know a lot of people have have commented on. I've had links from from other sites. I've had press in the past through it. So yeah, it's 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 something that um, a I was very passionate about and b had a lot of really good content on. I thought. So has Microsoft uh, gotten in touch with you more recently? I mean, since you know, since the initial incident, have they talked to you or no? There, there's been nothing. So uh, listen, Windows Live Spaces only support mechanism is an ad hoc website forum. So you have to join that, and you literally have to post onto that forum your issue and hope hope that it gets noticed. Yeah, <laughs> hope that it gets noticed. <laughs> oh so my goodness! So there's no email support, like one-on-one email. Or anything no, like that. Or nothing live like chat. That. No there's, live chat. There's, there's no telephone number. There's no email. All you have is this forum, and there is no um, like service level agreement of any type. So you post, and then you it's just sort of like a roulette wheel. So I I actually posted on the day that the blog disappeared. I didn't get any response. So I quickly each day after that kept posting a new post, trying to be as verbose as possible, and eventually some somebody. Uh, um, uh, replied to one of my posts. And so where to, where to from now then? I mean, what, what's the... To cut a long story short, I had to escalate because obviously I was talking to very low level individuals in the support who, who couldn't help. Then when I escalated, I started to get this stupid responses of your blog doesn't exist. Even though I could show them the Google trail of, of look, search on the URL and you'll see them all at Google, right? That was obviously a droid, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was just a help droid. Yeah, it was just yeah. They just I wasn't getting it. So eventually, I actually had to. I used to I used to work in Microsoft many years ago. I had to go through some of the people that I know still work there and try and go through the the back door of the organization. And uh, I eventually, I eventually got in contact with someone who works in Windows Live, and he has um, he's telling me that he's currently trying to work out what the issue is. So that's where I'm currently with it. I haven't had a response back. I'm currently trying to uh, see whether or not they can actually restore this thing. And is there any idea whether you're the only person affected or whether there have been other sites hosted on there that have been affected? So I noticed, look, there's no public statement, but what I did notice from the support forum were people at the same time that my blog disappeared, I saw other people having the same error messages that I was getting. So I don't know whether or not their blogs also were deleted. One of the interesting things about the website, the forum, is that they are deleting a lot of the of the requests so that you can't go back and track what's going on. I've of the four I posted, all uh, three of them have been deleted by um by the by the site admin. <laughs> so there's so that, no track back of any faults or anything no, that they've been. No, oh. I can't. So I can't. I've tried to go back to see if other people, because I was going to contact some other people to say, look, if we've all had this problem at the same time, obviously something major happened. But I've gone back, and and a lot of the uh, posts that were there are gone now. So. I don't know whether something major did happen. They're trying to cover it up, but I think that's really weird that they're deleting posts. I, I would have thought that that you know that shouldn't be allowed. But anyway, mm. yeah, that does seem rather odd. Um, actually, on on that note, do keep us posted because I'd love no pun intended actually, but um, I <laughs> would like to find find out what what happens with this because this is a bit of a mystery, really. Still, yeah, it's um. I think the thing that's frustrating is that there, uh, Microsoft's out there actively pushing Windows Live, trying to get people on it, both business as well as 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 in, uh, sort of end users. And I think that they should just be warned that when something like this happens, Microsoft dropped the ball in my case. They don't even want to appear to be helping. And it's only through me going through contacts that I have within the organization that I've started to see momentum. I think that is the issue not the fact the blog disappeared i think the support infrastructure is really bad yeah i think google uh were criticized a while ago for their support 
uh, as as well, didn't they? They offered was yeah, it e- email only support, I think, which is, is still a step mm. better than <laughs> the random post in a forum and hope you get noticed style. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, even even you know people still didn't find that acceptable. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, it is, you know, unlike Google, the problem with Google were with, uh, I think it was with their phones, wasn't it? Yeah, the um, Nexus one. But yeah. That's, yeah, the Nexus one. And I guess that's a bit different because you are paying customer, whereas on, you, you can argue that, well, you know, you, you don't, you can't expect the same level of service from a, from a free service. No, no, no. And I've never, I've never asked that. I've never said that I'm demanding this particular level of um, service. What I, what I have demanded though, is, is a response. I, I want them to come back and say, this is what happened to your blog. Instead of coming back and saying it doesn't exist or it's <laughs> I mean, lost. Crazy. Yeah, even no, with, it never existed. <laughs> even with a free service, you expect a certain level of service. That's it. I, I expect them to come back and go, you know what? There was a massive issue with our database. It crashed. We're unable to re- retrieve your data. Uh, I, mean, I, I would like something like that. But the fact that they can't even come back with... <laughs> with anything is just to me horrific. I think that's that you know you expect support, you expect closure, even if it's something that you don't agree with. I I don't have that, and well, I think that, that that we should get that even with a free service. I wonder yeah, if uh, I, look, I I I think you're not asking too much. I think that's fair enough. But I do wonder whether the reason could be the red tape they have to go through. They don't want to release statements before, yeah, you know, before it's cleared. I wonder big organisations. I don't know. Not that I'm yeah, making excuses for them, but. No, no, and I hell, I used to work for the company, so and I used to work in their support area as well. Uh, look, I think that one of the things that Microsoft used to pride themselves on was if they can't find a resolution for the customer to keep in contact with them, and I have not seen that, and that's the thing that really irks me. Why aren't they doing things like sending a mail to say we're working on your on your on your issue? Yeah, I mean, because that goes they, a long way, doesn't it? It's, that's right. That at least gives me like, okay, I feel happy now because I can see that someone's sending me a mail, even if it's once a week to say, look, we're still working on the issue. We haven't found a, um, but I'm not getting that. I'm not getting anything. And then it's, you know, it's hysterical with all this press and the fact that the journalist who wrote the article in Australia contacted the local organization that the, the press person supposedly said, oh, we know about this issue. We're working on it. I haven't heard anything from them. Oh, well, that's crazy. <laughs> So they're lying to the journalist, right? The fact that they go, oh, yes, we know about this. We're, oh, I haven't heard anything, so I don't know that they're working on it. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, have you thought about going to the Internet Archive, archive.org, and, and searching yourself? Because I found some of your posts through there just now. And, in fact, here's one. Uh, I was, if I can just read this because it's kind of interesting. I was sitting out the back this afternoon working on a consulting paper in the amazing Sydney spring weather we are having when the dog started growling at something on the grass next door. I measured her to be just over two metres long. Oh, and she's completely harmless. It's an Australian diamond python. Do you remember that post? <laughs> that must have been That must have been at least three or four years ago. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I can't see the dates here, but I, I think it was 2000, oh, 2006, I think. Would that be right? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, so Maybe. four years ago. There you go. Yep, that's... Yep. Um, <laughs> So some of your stuff is still out there. Yeah, so you, it's up there on archive.org. Obviously, probably not everything, but a good chunk of well, it is. I, I mean, Google's been a, a great, I mean, you know about the cased feature in Google? Mm, yeah, yeah. So the problem with it, of course, is that it, you, have to, you have to do the search in a particular way. But if I search on the base URL of the, of the, of the website, Google just returns heaps of links and I can then look at the cached. So yeah, I can see some of the content, but obviously oh, I, don't okay. get, I don't get all of it. But uh, oh, well, at least uh, that's something. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know how long it stays there. I mean, one of the other things I don't think I don't know if people realise this is that when your blog is down for a while, you start to lose your ranking on Google when people search on items or you on in, within your blog. Yeah, so I, I I've started to lose my 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 digital ranking, right? For want of a better word, because the blog's been down and all the links are down. Well, actually, I did notice that with our site, with Boys of Tech, uh, we took a short, I think, four week hiatus over Christmas, and yeah, the ranking certainly went down over that time. And not only that, but so did the 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 subscriptions dropped off a little bit as well. Yeah, uh, and it takes a while to to build that back up. Well, well, that's it. I mean, if I start another blog, I I I no longer have that six years of hits on Google and links from other sites. So if I do create another blog, I've, I've, got to, I've got to build that completely back up again. Yeah, it'd be so. very hard to get that same audience back, wouldn't it? 
That's right. I've got a well. Luckily, I've got the URL back. I was I was able to reclaim the URL from the site, so that's why I've got that post up on the site, which is just the one post saying that you know Microsoft lost my blog. So if people do go to that URL, they can at least see what happened. Right. So at um, least there's something there. Yeah. And they don't just disappear and think, oh, well, this guy's obviously given up. That's right. That's right. But I'm I am now actively looking at a more professional blog. I'm going to get my UI, own URL, and I'm also going to look at like a WordPress system where I can I can host it myself. Right, I see. But I mean, as you say, I mean, in the six years, it worked for you, so there was no need to change, was there? Yeah, that's right. And I mean, uh, I mean, they didn't really innovate it over the time, except for a couple of small things. Like, for instance, they released their own uh, writer, uh, uh, Windows Live Writer, which which is something that was a standalone application that allowed you to create your post, put the pictures in, and then in you know one click, it just published it directly to the site. I was also impressed that they they automatically created a mobile version of the site as well. Oh, no, so every nice. post, yeah. So every post I put up. Anyone with a mobile phone would see a mobile version of that. So I was also impressed with that. Oh, brilliant. Can't believe that I'm um, here advertising them. But anyway. <laughs> Don't worry. This, this gets cut out. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> all righty. Well, look, um, all the best with getting your, your stuff back. Uh, I, I don't quite know how likely that's, that's going to be, but I'm wishing you all the best anyway. Yeah, look, I think um, uh, even if I don't get it back, it's 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 a lesson I'm hoping other people will pick up on as well. If you're going to create a semi-professional, professional blog, seriously think about getting it hosted on a site. Ensure that they do backups. And, you know, if you're going to use Windows Live, it, you know, just be expected that the support's not that great. It's probably a lesson for Microsoft as well because, I mean, they're aware of at least your claim at this point. Well, if, you know, if they're not acknowledging an underlying problem yet. You would hope so. You would really hope so. In fact, this is one of the things having worked at the company, you know, when I worked at Microsoft, it was, it was one of the best companies I worked for ever. I I had a great time back then. Um, It was, you know, internet was happening as you, as you mentioned before, Internet Explorer was sort of going from a crap product to something that actually was, was uh, looked okay. And then when, and Windows 95 launched as well, which I was the technical lead for that product in Australia. Oh, that must have been big. That must have been big. It was at the time. It was the biggest software launch in history. When they launched it, you know, one of the things I always used to tell people about was I was at the press launch for Windows 95 in Australia, and I heard a journalist behind me make a comment that there were two camera crews from every single uh, broadcaster. And he was going, you know, he said, this is rubbish. He said the last time he saw that was when uh, the governor general sacked the prime minister. So, so well, this was a software product. So it was just an incredible time to be with a company. It was a bit mm. of a quantum leap, though, wasn't it? For the, I mean, well, I mean, what was there before Windows three three eleven, three one one? Yeah, completely different. I mean, from a technology perspective, they 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 finally brought thirty two bit to that interface, and yeah, it was it was a completely different. I remember the gaming aspect was just completely different. So they they hit sort of the desktop in two ways. One, for the people who wanted to do business on it, and they also did a good job of trying to win the uh, gamers across with the DirectX technology. So, so yeah, it was, it was well, anyway, I'm, I'm sort of very proud of it back then because I, I was the lead for it in Australia. But, yeah, it was quite, it was quite different at the time. So do you, do you think that the, it is different now working at Microsoft? Do you think things are, your dynamics have shifted? Yeah, look, the feedback I'm getting from people who work in the company is that it's become a much larger company. And it's become a more aggressive organization as, as regards to revenue. When I was with the company back, um, which I left in 2001, it was it, you, the company was just skyrocketing. Share price was just going ape. It was just going gangbusters. But now it's sort of plateaued. It's plateaued for the last five or six years. So my understanding is, is that people are a lot more frustrated working in that company because it's all about profit now. And, and unfortunately, when a company starts to shift and focus on profit, then things like customer service start to fall. Mm. Hence the issue you're having now. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. So, okay, moving on to Apple. Uh, now, because this is another big story as well. Apple have announced, along with the iPhone OS 4.0, a new ad platform for mobile advertising. Any of you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, I thought it looked quite interesting, giving the 
developers of apps in the App Store the ability to have a fully functional interface for putting in ads and getting ad revenue. Did you see the demo that that uh, Steve Jobs did? Yeah, it's a very good demo. It is. It's uh, you know, I initially when I when I first heard the story, I thought, oh, okay, here we go, and you know, Apple doing their own little ad thing. But it is different, and it's kind of hard to describe on an audio podcast. You really gonna you really have to go and see the video. But you know, you've got this little bottom third thing pop up whilst you're in an, in an app, and you know, if you're that way enticed, you can click on the on the ad that, that's at the bottom, and you get this. Fully functional ad, and by that I mean it's almost like a mini app in its own right. Yeah, it's the way they've described it is running the ad app inside your other app. So the they are really fully functional advertising, interactive. They can put in movie clips, animations, interactive games, and all sorts of stuff within that ad space. It's, it's quite interesting. Well, there are two things here. There's, of course, the, the fact that it, the ads are different in that way, but also, as you just touched on earlier, Brett, it's the fact that we're not talking about search advertising. And in fact, Steve Jobs, I think he's having a little go there at, at Google, was mm. claiming, and he may well be right, I don't know, uh, but he was claiming that you know search, is not, search advertising is not where it's at for mobile devices. And so the way to, to penetrate the market is in the apps themselves. So whilst you're in your app, you, you might get interrupted with an ad, which you can choose to dismiss. You don't have to watch them. But if you choose to, when you come out of that, you come back to where you left off in the app. Look, I think this is very clever by Apple to do this. They actually supposedly were going to buy AdMob um, before Google. Or they tried to, but then Google snapped them up. So I think this is their response. So, so two things with this is one is that they're developing this for their platform. So I think, look, it's going to work very well on their platform. It the will problem be. For, the problem for advertisers is it's a very small platform. I mean, Apple iPhones are a very small percentage of mobile worldwide. And, you know, they're under 2%. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's, um, if you're going to look at doing mobile advertising, well, if Google's going to do something with AdMob, you're probably going to be, well, I'm more interested in that platform because I'm going to more mobile. So I think there's, you know, there is a catch-22 with this. This is an Apple-only ad system, which, yes, it's great for just uh, their ecosystem, but for advertisers, it's a small market. It is, but it is a market which they haven't previously had, so. Yeah, I guess it's, um, it's an opportunity for them. And, I, and look, you know, one of the problems is 185,000 apps on the App Store. And and it's if you're not in the top ten percent that gets that gets viewed on the preview pages, you're lost in a sea of applications. Yeah. So whilst yes, they give seventy percent back to the developer, the system is still very archaic in how you can try to get your app to be noticed, and therefore you then start to ride that wave of getting like a lot of people downloading and paying for your app. So I guess the question with this is, how much is the developer getting with the ad? Well, actually, according to Apple, it's 60%. Well, that's still pretty good, but 60% of half a cent? You know, so yeah, I guess that's, gonna, that, mm. yes. that's, that's going to be the question is 60%, yes, that's a large number, but it's the, it's the actual amount that a person clicking on that ad is generating. You know, the same right, I see what you're saying, yeah, because it is, a, as you said, it is a limited market. Yes, that's right. So therefore, there is a lot less people clicking on it because, well, there's a lot less iPhones. So someone could then turn around and argue, well, people who use iPhone use the uh, device more than uh, a standard other mobile device. So therefore, maybe they will get a higher peak. But I guess, you know, for me, it's I want to start seeing some figures, which, of course, they never sort of release. But um, uh, it will be interesting to see how it competes against someone like a Google who's going to obviously release it for more than just their mobile platform. What sort of phone do you have, Shane? Um, I have a Nokia N97, which is um, Series 60, and I'm, I'm actually just about to upgrade my phone. So, Well, that, that is nice, in N97. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice because it's got the dedicated keyboard, which is something that uh, I like. And also Nokia is very good with the high megapixel cameras. They've got five megapixel cameras. The, the media capability of taking videos and pictures is just brilliant. Yeah. So how would ads be delivered to the Nokia then? Is, is there anything, I guess, is it through your, your browser on it? Well, yeah, you, you can currently view ads if you, if you look at mobile websites. An application, well, we would need to see a competitive platform come out 
like Google to say that if you write applications and you hook into this ad, we can display them. Um, you know, one of the great things that Apple has is they've only got one device. Even though that there's three different versions of the device out there, they're really only one version of the device. Yeah. So, so therefore, you have to make one ad. It works on all those phones. If you want to do that on any other platform, you've got to change it for the multiple devices. So that is still a bugbear, both for developing applications and for developing um, mobile websites. Shane, do you think it's true what Steve Jobs says that people just aren't searching on mobile devices and that effectively what he's saying, reading between the lines, is that no matter how good Google's or how wide Google can cast its net, it's not going to work for mobile devices? So... I think he's missing the point here. Look, he's, he's a showman. Steve Jobs is a showman. He's always about getting up there and saying, you know, I'm, I'm on the holy mountain, listen to me. And I think that he is wrong. I think that uh, one of the things that's happening with search on mobile is that the paradigm's changing. It's not about keying in a search into a small screen. It's about doing things such as there are applications I can download, like, for instance, on my Nokia N97 from Google that allow me to search using my voice. So I can click on a button and I can say, uh, you know, I want to look at mobile advertising. It then recognizes my voice and then puts that into the search engine for me. So the other thing that's happening is Google's got this brilliant product that works only on Android at the moment, but it's called Google Goggles. And it allows the camera to be the search engine. Oh, so you, yeah. I heard about uh, that. Yeah. So you hold the camera up, photographs, um, and it can be anything. It can be a brand, which means it could be something on a, uh, on a, on a bottle. It could be a, a famous scene, like it could be uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The person photographs that. The uh, Google servers then recognize that image and then return the search uh, for, what, for that. And, and I, so, I understand it can do OCR as well. It can pick words out of that. Yep. And it does um, uh, character recognition. So if you're looking at like a movie poster, it will recognize the words on that. So we are seeing already, this is the aspect of convergence that I really like. We're starting to see the mobile be used for people who are on the move and don't have time to sit there and key in all this stuff. So we can speak and it recognizes and it can use its camera and it can recognize that. This is something that's uh, been interesting over the last few years with the, with the smartphone revolution is... What, what can they put into this device? And look, it started with some smart aleck at Nokia, I think it was, sitting around a boardroom and going, hey, what if we put a camera in the phone? You know, he was probably laughed out. But, but that has just become an incredible tool on mobile. Oh, absolutely. I, They're standard now, aren't they? Yeah, that's well, right. It's very and, hard to find a phone that does not have a camera in it. Yeah. Well, well and, mine and does, it, but it cost me 59 bucks. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, you know, it's twice that you could get one with a two megapixel camera. Yeah, well, I mean, that just goes to show, doesn't it? Indeed. And it's not, and the camera is no longer about taking happy snaps of your family. It's about being a document scanner. I use my Nokia N97. If I've signed a document, I can photograph it. And with the five megapixel, it, it's, it can clearly read everything on that document. And I can then forward that off an email. I mean, you can copy a whiteboard after everyone's been in a business meeting uh, drawing on a whiteboard, you can bring the, sh the camera out and photograph that. You've just described what I was about to say, actually. I was going to jump in there and say that's exactly what's what I've done on a number of occasions at work. You know, I've, I've been doing this, this fantastic stuff on the whiteboard and it's not a printable one. It's, I, you know, so someone had a phone and away we go, take the photo off back on, uh, back on the computer and away, away you are again. That, yep. That's right. And everyone can view it. In fact, there's a great s service called ScanR, um, which allows you to, when you install it on the phone, it sends the picture and they will do an optical character recognition of your whiteboard and, oh, no, that's back, nice. and send it back to you in a PDF. So, I mean, we're seeing all of this now happening with this. I mean, look at augmented reality using the, using the camera. You hold the camera up and it, and it shows you the real view, but then superimposes digital information in, in front of that view. Mm. I mean, when they first put your camera, who would have thought that that sort of stuff would be used for it as it is now? So it's almost like all that stuff in the sci-fi movies is kind of coming real now. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is. It's um, well, look, you know, Dick Tracy with his with his video watch. Well, the three G technology brought us that functionality of being able to do a a video call. And since three G's been launched, there have been wrist phones that have that capability. So we've got that. 
um, the ability to do a conference call with a lot of people on your mobile is sort of like the stuff that we see in Star Trek when you see them using that. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we were seeing in sci-fi is starting to come out now. And to think we used to laugh at them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I think what's even funnier is the people who wrote the uh, sci-fi films are probably all bashing themselves in the face because they didn't do the patents for those things that <laughs> yeah. they thought, nah, no, one will, no one will ever invent this. You know, like, look at all the stuff in Star Trek that's come true. Mobile phones, PDAs. You think you think about it. It's just hysterical. We yeah. invented that. That's ours. That's right. That's right. Sorry, buddy. We own the patent. <laughs> but thanks for the idea. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Now, AOL plans to sell or shut down Bebo. Does anyone here use Bebo? Nope. Nope. No, I've even used it. Okay, that's me either. So this is going to be a short story. I've never even been to Bebo. Though well, I know a lot no, of people who do. Over half a million New Zealanders do use Bebo. Yeah, uh, Bebo or at least was, have a Bebo account. Yeah, it was very popular in, uh, or rel- you know, relatively compared to the, the you know, population, uh, very popular in the UK and in New Zealand. So, you know, social network, basically a Facebook alternative. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that were using Bebo. And so, yeah, that, so Bebo, Bebo was was obviously huge in the UK and it was the dominant social network even when Facebook was trying to make headways over there. And and Bebo, so I think I remember seeing a social media application map of the world showing you which areas it played. And Bebo was very big in UK, Europe, and then, of course, in other parts of Asia. But it, it just did not get into Australia at all. So it's interesting to hear that it actually got into New Zealand. Oh, yeah. It, oh, it was got big, into New yeah, Zealand quite big. Yeah, it was big in New Zealand. But, of course, for a, sm- a small population, yeah, just over 4 million people. So the actual numbers probably didn't amount to a lot. How many did you say, Brett, we had here? Uh, it's over 630,000. Okay, see, that's not yeah, that's a lot. A, that's on the, a lot. Well, it is for, is yeah, a lot. for, for New Zealand, <laughs> it's a lot. Absolutely, yeah. But on on the what I'm trying to say is on the global scale, it, it sort of... Oh, on the global scale, it's, it's, it's almost not, nothing. Yeah. No, it so, just doesn't, it doesn't compare yeah. to Facebook. And it's, um, mm. I mean, there was another interesting stat just recently about Facebook now. It is, the, it is the number one internet site visited by users in the US, so it's surpassed Google. Yeah, we uh, actually, we covered that a, a couple of weeks back, which is uh, in a way not surprising given what we've been seeing. And I've been, yeah. just everyone seems to be on Facebook but me. Well, Facebook has really done their you know, darndest to make it a site which is both attractive to its users with functionality but also to uh, developers developing applications and such for it and advertisers, social marketers, all of those sorts of things. They've made it so attractive to it. Whereas Bebo, which was their first and MySpace, you know, one of the granddaddies of them, they just did not embrace that philosophy, that getting out there and interacting and making things easy for other people, for third parties to do things with their site. And that's why I think Facebook jumped on board of that and (laughs) just grew. But I'm still surprised that it surpassed uh, MySpace back in the days because while I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with uh, the way uh, you know Facebook have, have, have done their business, they've obviously done very well, but it is hard to shift the masses. You know, you know studies have shown you need a, a fairly big incentive to shift people off one platform onto another. Mm. So it's I'm still curious as to what it is that made people move away from MySpace and jump on Facebook. A lot of that would have been those third-party applications which you got through Facebook. Things like Scrabulous, when it was called Scrabulous. But and if all your friends are on MySpace, would that matter? So, so one of the things that's interesting about Facebook is that it is an it is an older well, when it when it started to um, get more people away from MySpace, it was an older generation that were on there, and they were and they were over that MySpace was definitely a younger set. Now, the the interesting thing about MySpace, it was originally started by a musician because he wanted to create a site that allowed independent musicians to put their stuff up and then get and then um, for people to discover them. Mm. So it's absolutely fascinating that while he created it for that, it turned into a young people look at me, look at me sites. (laughs) In fact, the music thing became a very small percentage, which is just hysterical. But it's because of that younger age group that got into MySpace that a lot of older people started to go, you know what? You know, I was one of them. I jumped onto MySpace pretty early on, got a site set up, 
And I, I was just, there was most of the people who were wanting to connect to me were half my age. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, how can they know or be interested in, in, in what I am when they're sort of like, you know, half or even younger than that? So I got attracted to Facebook uh, because I, you know, I was noticing that more people my generation and people that I knew were, were onto that. So that migration slowly happened. And the other thing is, is that we're now seeing quite a uh, few years now since they both started that people are getting who are growing up on MySpace and are like, oh, I need to be on Facebook now. So it's almost like it's become that um, as people get older, they then migrate to Facebook. It's interesting, isn't it? I've, I've never made it onto any of them. <laughs> and I'm staying, I'm staying that way. It's been, a bit of a running, it's been a bit of a running theme along this podcast. I, early on, I, I kind of admitted that I don't have a Facebook and sort of Brett looks at me going, what? And uh, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, I, I'm not on Facebook and I Where don't plan to be. <laughs> you Edward, you, you have a mobile Twitter, phone? I cover Facebook. <laughs> well, I have a mobile phone, but I've got a cheap mobile phone that basically only has a, can only receive, make and receive phone calls, make and receive texts and has a little LED torch on the top. And that's it. Right. It cost me 59 New Zealand dollars, which would be what? About 40 US. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm not anti-technology at all. Absolutely. I mean, I'm here, I'm here doing this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, thing, it's, just, it's just what suits me, you know? The thing I find fascinating with social network sites is that you do have the power to allow either a lot or as little information as you want on there. And I think that um, I've, I've gotten in contact with people that I haven't seen or heard of from years, and it's been great for that. In fact, there's another site called friendsunited.co.uk that I got onto that a whole lot of school people that I was on started to get onto. So look, from that perspective, that's interesting. But look, I think the, the power is that you have the ability to say, I do want all of this information to be a view by the public or not. And I think that's the great thing about it. So, and I don't think you need to be on it if you don't want to. But for me, it's just been a fascinating uh, friendship and networking thing. I, I think yeah. it's, it's very powerful for that aspect. Yeah. Oh, it allows you to have some amazing trips down memory lane. It does. And look, you know, the, I mentioned something before about having a digital persona. I think having a Facebook page, if you are as well as your blog and as, and as well as your LinkedIn profile, is another thing that's very important to have there That it's because it's searchable by Google. Yeah, that's true. Although uh, it's, it, I find it quite annoying when I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of these people that will do a search and come across a Facebook page eventually, like we all do. And unless you're a Facebook member, you can't actually see anything. It, yeah. It's indexed, but you can't see it, which I guess... So, that, so that's a setting for, you know, so people can say whether or not they do want to allow that. So, so by default, I, I guess it's, it acts uh, more conservatively, like it, it puts the privacy correct. on, right? Yeah. Which kind of makes sense, I guess. Hmm. I'm on Twitter. Does that count? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'm uh, a digital I mean, persona. The only problem with Twitter is it's not searchable... Over time, uh, it is at the spur of the moment. But oh, over yeah, time, but not, yeah, that's it disappears. True. They call it microblogging, but it not really is because blogging's about permanent pages that are mm. that, that are there and they're 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 except of course if you lose your blog, but we won't go back <laughs> oh, there. I'm just going to say, um, you host it on Microsoft um, Windows Live. Yeah, blo blogging gives you three things. It's the permanent pages, so it makes it very easy to be searched by a search engine. If you update it regularly, a search engine likes that as well. And then, of course, it's got the feedback loop, which is the comments, and and that also can contain links, which helps with your uh, ranking on Google as well. In mm. fact, you know, Twitter is a little more than live chat, really, if you if you think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, sure, things are there a little longer, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, as you as you said, Shane, you know, it's not it's not there permanently. You won't find all the old stuff, certainly not through Google. Uh, it's almost like a kind of a semi live chat type thing. Yeah. It's important to re, um, understand that Twitter is now. It's about but now or just or what's just recently happened. And yeah. um, like for me, I, I use um, TweetDeck with Twitter. So I'm, I'm monitoring not just what's coming into my feed from people who I'm following, but I'm also searching on key topics. Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm watching iPad and Australia to see whether or not that people are uh, tweeting about using it already or, or have heard when there is going to be an actual release date. Um, but, well, actually, know, they, have, they have announced a, a release date uh, for oh, Australia. Okay. Uh, well, not a specific date, but they say they've put on their website late April. 
Yeah, that, which has been that's been there for a while. Well, it's better than what but- we've got here in New Zealand. They've told us nothing. <laughs> We hit absolutely nothing. It's like, hello, no, Apple. The, we're still here. We're not going to get it. You guys are going to jump on the plane and come over here and buy yeah, it anyway. That's, that's or, what we'll know. do, I think. It's um. Can, can um, you send us one? Tell you what, can you send us one, Shane, towards the end of April? Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, give you a you, check. You send us one. You, you, you send me the money in PayPal. I'll, I'll be there. I'll All line right. up and I'll, when I'm buying one, I'll buy one for you as Good well. Good stuff. It's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, you yeah, know, uh, yeah, how do we get on that topic? Uh, sorry, I was talking about Twitter. So yeah, uh, Twitter is a great way of, of from what I was saying about getting access to information and, and mm. tracking and tracking memes that are occurring within the um, within the internet. That's how we got onto that. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember. So now. We, we got a bit distracted from social networking and and Bebo and Facebook. And, yeah, and Bebo being sold. Or oh, that's right. That was the original story. Be- Bebo being sold. Yeah. Bebo being sold or shut down. Hey, well, that's, that's what makes the show. You know. It's- yeah. It's another one of those because AOL only bought it what a couple of years ago for some absurd amount of money. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure they probably got a people were jumping on the social networking bandwagon, and Bebo had a strong following then, yeah. or Whoops. in certain yeah. parts. But <laughs> it's been losing, it's been hemorrhaging its people, and yeah, <laughs> the 850 million US dollars. Yeah, do you think they overpaid? I think so. It's, I, well, it's, I guess hindsight is a wonderful thing too, though. It's nearly as good as eBay buying Skype. Yes. They, they sort of they forked out all that money, the billions of dollars, yeah, and suddenly right. someone was going, "What the hell did we buy this for?" <laughs> that's right. I remember that. Why did they we have? How does it mix with our? How does it mix with our business model? That's right. Uh, it it know, hasn't it? been interact. It hasn't been integrated no. to eBay at all. Exactly. So well, how do they speak still people? completely different? Uh, it's crazy. It's like yeah, it's. The, yeah, we've got these two products. We're not going to integrate them. How come the same audience isn't using the two products? That's right. Don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so that's Bebo. Now, something interesting that came out of Australia was a survey. About a third of Australians lose their mobile phones. Have you lost your phone, Jane? <laughs> uh, actually, no, I haven't. I, I've had about, last count, about six or seven mobile phones. Never lost any of them. Never lost any of them? Nope. Well, there was a 66% chance of getting that one right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wonder how many Australians lose their blogs. <laughs> I think I'm in a minority. <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to believe, though. But uh, look, you know, I, Brent, what about you? I mean, I know we're not Australian, but just a quick survey here. Brent, how many phones have you lost? Uh, none. Same here, none. Interesting. Yeah, look, you know, <laughs> one is, third of people lose their phones. We are three people, and none of us have lost their phones. So they're obviously it's, wrong. Um, it's something that I believe. In fact, I'm shocked that it's so low. To, to, I mean, to be honest, yeah, heck, being in the industry, it's something that I'm sure the device manufacturers, someone will sit there in a meeting and go, hey, look, we've got this really great application that backs up everything off the phone in case someone loses their phone. Go, Don't do it. You know, we want them to buy a new mobile phone. <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, it's something that you just hear all the time. I, I was just doing some consulting um, last month and, this guy was rushing out of his cab, came up to the um, meeting room, and he's sitting there, you know, doing the classic trying to find where, oh, yeah. what I do with my mobile, and yeah, it was gone. He never got it back. It went off in the cab and um, – Never saw it again. Never to see it again. Yeah, cabs are, 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 are uh-huh. too easy to lose phones in. They, they fall out your back pocket, and that's the end of that. Mm. Well, I think especially because he, his was an iPhone, so – Oh, well, that would, uh, yeah, that's no chance of finding its way back oh, yeah. to, to the owner. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And he was even using that Apple system that allows you to track it. Oh, he it was, been, was he? But it had been switched off. He couldn't track it, so he oh. couldn't see. Well, see, easy. he needs the new, the, the new OS 4.0 which does multitasking. <laughs> even, even when the phone's on, your location thing's working in the background. So that's Like it does on every other mobile. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, a little behind fling, you. We won't fling mud at that, uh, <laughs> that uh, non-phone that's called the iPhone. I, I won't, don't get me started. <laughs> the toy. <laughs> Uh, just uh, a little bit more on the story. It's interesting because there, there is quite a difference between men and women. 39% of men reported a uh, lost phone, but only 26% of women. And then it's, it's really funny because the, the people who wrote the story go on to make this amazing claim, this ma- amazing conclusion that it's because they could be right, but it, they just seem so sure about themselves the way they say it, that that's because men tend to pocket their phones while women put them in their handbags. And yeah, I mean, it could be true, but how do they know that? Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. But um, I think, I mean, I think women have a, have, a, have a stronger relationship with the mobile than a male, than a male does. 
so therefore they're thinking about it more uh, that that would be something that i would say just with my experience it's um i think men <laughs> i think we lose things more in general don't we yeah, I think they just get distracted. I think men are distracted more looking at more women than then they put the phone <laughs> yeah, down. And- yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. No, but I, I was actually thinking about the keys, you know. We're always losing our keys. Women don't seem to lose keys. I mean, let's yeah. hand it to them. I mean, we, we, we are pretty terrible at losing keys. That would be an interesting uh, that would be an interesting comparison, wouldn't it? To see if you had the same stats where you interviewed the same amount of people. Talking about lost keys and lost phones, whether or not you saw that there was a... Um, a correlation. <laughs> a correlation. Yeah, a correlation. Yes. That would be um, interesting. One of the interesting stats, you know, the, you know, the really bad bushfires that we had last year in Victoria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the interesting stats that came out from a presenter who was uh, down on the ground, he said one of the one of the things that fascinated him was when he was talking to people about what do you grab when you run out of a house? Of the top three things he was hearing, mobile phone was one of the ones that was mentioned. And and that that's fascinating that when he was just going on saying so what do you what do you grab and and people would say oh you know they go through a list he said what was just fascinating to him he says he kept on hearing mobile phone turn up somewhere in there so so when people are rushing out of a burning house they 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 know it's important to grab that phone um, yeah for a lot of people especially with the the, the prevalence of of um, smartphones these days. Basically, everything about their life and their connections and the people they talk to and contact details and all that sort of stuff is on that one device. Yeah. So in a yeah, fire, it's, it's it, very true. So in a fire, thirty-nine percent of men are going to burn, and only twenty-six percent of women are going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> is that the right uh, conclusion? The fun, the fun you can have with statistics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, that's been a great segment. Hey, look, that pretty much concludes our international stories. Uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll see what's been happening in the New Zealand tech sector this week. Welcome back. Now, you know, in the last few months, we've regularly reported that telecom have had XT failures. There's been yet another one. Uh, before I go on, though, Shane, has, has this story made it uh, over to Australia about our telephone network that isn't? Uh, no, no, it hasn't. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Oh, good. Well, that's, a, that's probably a good thing. Just basically, in a nutshell, uh, telecom launched, you know, it's our main uh, phone provider here, kind of like your Telstra. They launched a, a brand new XT. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's nothing like our Telstra. <laughs> oh, the, no, we have no Telstra. Well, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's right. You do have your. Where, where Telstra went over there. So, um, our Telstra is a good. Our Telstra is a good guy, and Telecom's a bad guy. And I think it's the other way around over in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, Telstra's the bad guy. Yeah, here. yeah. It's kind of. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Telecom launches this brand new mobile phone network uh, called XT. They get the what's the guy from. Top Gear called Richard Hammond. Yeah, that's the one. Richard Hammond to do all the, the you know ads and the, the front man for it. And it's basically cut a long story short. It's a dog. It broke somewhat six or seven times. I think they've had outages. Some of them lasting for the better part of a day. Yeah, and it's very embarrassing. They've, is they've, this is this their three G network? Yes, yeah. this is Telecom's three right. G network yeah. that's had all of these issues since it was launched. I'm, I'm glad the story hasn't made it too far afield because it is very embarrassing. It's <laughs> it is very embarrassing for Telecom. So anyway, they, they've had. So the reason the reason why it hasn't come to Australia is because there is an assumption there that things don't work very well in New Zealand. So I, I, guess, that, I guess that some of the press here would have gone, "Why is that news?" <laughs> uh, unless it's sport. Unless you're talking about the All Blacks, right? Oh, yeah, no, 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 we won't go there. Oh, we're talking about technology, goddammit. <laughs> Uh, well, look, anyway, Telecom have had another failure. I just thought I want to report on that. Uh, again, I don't think we're going to – this is the seventh time or whatever it is now. I've lost count. We're not going to talk about it because we've done it to death. But I just thought I would get this in because uh, we're keeping tabs on you, Telecom. So there you go. Dude, we will be marking it down every time you have a failure. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is too. There was another funny story, though, here in New Zealand. Uh, it's not really much of a story, but it is good for a bit of a laugh. Here in Wellington, by the way, uh, you won't know this, uh, Shane. In fact, most of our listeners – aren't from Wellington, they won't know this either, but we've got this tunnel. goes right through a hill, as tunnels do, and it's only, it's a bus tunnel. It, it's, you can't walk, there's no pedestrian access, there are, you can't drive, you're not supposed to drive cars through, although people sometimes do. And uh, this, this person's come out, uh, in, <laughs> just in the news here, saying that Google Maps directed her to walk through the bus tunnel. Indeed. Google's, um, what is it? Google's find a walk? No. 
What do they call that new thingy? Isn't it just their maps? Google Maps? No, it's, well, it's a it's, their, it's um, a new feature. Oh, yeah, Google when you, their walking yeah. directions or driving that's right. directions. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Walking From directions, A to B. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it told her to walk through the bus tunnel. She was horrified. <laughs> so, so this this is actually a um, Australian Google team has has created this to reduce the number of silly Wellington people. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> hey, hey, but it so won't you... because the real Wellingtonians know that you're not supposed to walk through there. It's they'll true. only get the tourists. <laughs> That's right. It's to keep it's the funny, It's out. funny how many people they've caught already. And this, I mean, the fact that that she got impressed, but it's you know, it was an April's Fool's joke. And she still fell for it. I think, you know, what does that say? <laughs> well, it was very, wasn't it similar? We covered another story, wasn't it? Uh, where you, to get from Melbourne, was it Melbourne, Brett, to Melbourne Airport? Yes, you, Melbourne, you, you have Melbourne to, Airport. You have to kayak across the Pacific to Japan, I think it was, because there's a Melbourne, Melbourne Airport there. Yep. And it actually said kayak across the, the ocean. Anyway, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> I can just see the lawsuits happening when people actually try these things. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I'm they, sure Google's got that sort of Google you know, does, have a, does have a one-liner in there which yeah. does <laughs> clearly advise people to use caution as routes might be missing footpaths or pedestrian-friendly paths. As they kind of <laughs> have to have those little disclaimers. Well, indeed, because it's an automated thing. It just looks for a looks for tracks <laughs> so obviously yes <laughs> with there being no nothing to denote a stretch of road as being bus only <laughs> on google maps it's not going to use it <laughs> i wonder how does it know about one ways that would be interesting that would be interesting probably not I wonder the, dri- if- the driving directions do. I, I've, oh, they I do, use, do they? Yeah, really? I use the Google driving directions in Sydney quite a bit, and they and they are aware of the one-way streets, especially in the centre of Sydney, which has a lot of one-way streets. So it's actually very good for that. Oh, that's good. But for walking, I guess you don't have to worry about a one-way no. street, do you? Uh, no, no, that's true. You just yeah. need to worry about bus tunnels. Indeed, you do have to worry <laughs> about those streets which don't have a facility for foot traffic. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great. Glad we sorted that one out. All right. Hey, it's been a, a wonderful show. Shane, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Guys, I've enjoyed it. It's uh, been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. And uh, before we do let you go, where can people find you? Uh, so you can Google me <laughs> after all that comment before. Google Shane Williamson. But my, my obviously the blog is back up there. It is going to be the main pointer. So uh, so if you Google Shane Williamson, yeah, you'll see the, the blog is still there. Won't have all the content it used to have. Do you want to give the um, URL out on? Uh, yeah, Jeff. Uh, if only I could remember that as, as easy as it is. So it's... um. <laughs> it's shanewilliamson.spaces.live.com and it will have a link very shortly to my brand new blog which will um, be up in the next couple of weeks so that's shanewilliamson.spaces.live.com that's right good stuff alright so yeah thank you once again Shane it's been great thanks guys no worries and Brett thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me not a problem Ed alright and thank you to everyone else listening to us out there on the internet uh, we'll see you all again next week till then take care bye 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 bye